All right, guys, this is it. This is the uh, the final boss fight. This is segment eight of eight of our uh, 2018 NFL draft recap. We're going to cover the NFC East. Um, as always, I'm Justin Worsley, and with me as usual is Nick Vignores. Nick, how are you feeling? You ready for this? Uh, not mentally or physically <laughs> or emotionally, so no. So for full disclosure, um, we're saying this because Nick is a Giants fan, and there's still just a really a, a lingering sour taste in the back of his mouth from draft night. Uh, those of you who listen to our draft podcast know exactly what's up. Those who don't, you're in for a real fucking treat. So um, I'm going to save the Giants for last just because I know that you have a lot of thoughts and feelings that you want to get out. So I want to let you bottle it up for a little bit. <sighs> so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna treat this like any human emotional interaction and just, just shove it down. All right. Let's go for it. Um, so let's start with Washington. So I think defensive tackles um, in, a, in an obvious position to need for Washington, uh, even though they got Jonathan Allen last year. They bolstered the line um, this year with De'Ron Payne. I think they really want to beat Avea, but I think uh, Tampa swooped him right before they picked. But at the end of the day, De'Ron Payne really isn't a bad consolation prize. Uh, no. Uh, you know, I, I would have rather had Avea too. Um, but, you know, you, you do get that Alabama connection with Payne and uh, Jonathan Allen. Alabama, man! And, uh, you know, I, I was really surprised. And Allen was one of the better picks in the first round last year. Uh, the way he dropped all the way down there, I was surprised. I saw a lot of people put him in the top five, you know. Um, but I, I thought I thought Payne was a good pick for them. It really, you know, improves, improves the D-line. Uh, I, I don't think they'll go Alabama defensive lineman again next year. I'm sure it'll be a good one regardless. But, uh, you know, I, I think they helped the D-line with that. They helped the defense with that. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good pick. I, I'm sure that they were a little disappointed that Vea wasn't there. But uh, I, I don't think Payne's a bad consolation prize. I agree with you. So, Payne only weighs 308, but uh, I think he profiles best as a one-tech. He is uh, phenomenal in the run game. Um, he's got a great range as far as uh, tackling. Um, he can fight off double teams. Um, he has... I think the technique is there for him as a pass rusher. I don't think that um, the polish is there, though. So, unless he gets developed very, very quickly, I don't see him um, really being like an Indomitian Su type. But I definitely see him be a, a solid contributor, especially in the run game. Which, in case you guys don't know yet, stopping the run is going to be a big deal in the, uh, in the NFC East this season. Uh, so I've heard. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, he's obviously more developed as a run stopper than he is as a pass rusher. Uh, I think that's uh, kind of you know, universally agreed upon. Uh, at the same time, I do think that there's some room for improvement for him to be there as a pass rusher. I agree with you. He's never going to be a, a Sioux kind of interior pressure kind of guy. Uh, I do th- think that maybe, – Maybe the other side of that is he doesn't kick people in the balls. You know, it's give or take. It's give or take. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, maybe he doesn't have the same anger issues. But, I mean, I, I think he can be a – kind of guy who pushes the pocket a little bit as a D lineman. And, you know, between him and Allen, you know, uh, if one, even even if just one of them kind of develops as a pass rush a little more, uh, I think you'll have a pretty good, decent defensive line there. So, uh, Washington made one of the more surprising picks, and that was when um, Darius Geis fell to the 59. Um, Geis' ceiling, I think, was really 20 at Detroit, but it seemed to be that there's some character issues that kind of showed up that, uh, that caused him to drop. Um. The pick is a little surprising because they uh, used the pick last year in Samaje Perrine. Um, but it seems like now that maybe they don't really see him as, a, as their guy. What do you make of Geis in Washington? 
Well, you know, with, with Perrine, I don't think he really gave the Redskins a lot to feel uh, confident about. You know, uh, he, you know, he got some limited play, but, uh, you know, they had Rob Kelly there, who shouldn't be hard to beat off. And uh, You say it should be hard to beat off R. Kelly? It shouldn't be hard, hard to beat off R. Kelly. Pause. Um, you know, he shouldn't have been hard to hold off. And then, uh, you know, really Chris Thompson kind of took a hold of that backfield, despite not even really being a, a, a rusher. You know, or at least being used as one uh, until his injury, and in, I think it was New Orleans when he went down. You know, and uh, you know after that, it kind of just became a wasteland of a backfield. You know, like it really wasn't the teenage wasteland. It really wasn't much of a you know contribution there from the backfield. So I, I think you know entering the, the off season, the Redskins looked themselves and said, "Well, I don't think we have our you know our running back situation you know quite figured out yet." And, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I think they probably have the draft thinking, hey, you know, if we get around, we get a guy we like on day three, we'll take a shot. But, you know, I, I, I like Geis. You know, I was a big fan of Geis coming out. Um, <clears throat> I think he's a guy that kind of fell to them at a spot that they didn't think he would fall. And they said, you know what, uh, we, still, we do need a running back. And that's, I, I think they just decided that, you know, that's too good value for us to pass up. So it's a Geis. No, absolutely. Um so for the first two years he he didn't really do much in 2015 that was his uh his freshman year he had um, a thousand yard season almost 1400 yards despite the fact that he was the number two behind uh Leonard right. Fournette yep. um 2017 is a little bit of a step back um he only averaged 5.3 yards per carry after averaging 7.6 the year before only rushed for uh 1255 yards um but I think, I think a lot of the two had to do with um, just LSU as a team just not uh, doing as well this year compared to last year. Uh, I don't think the talent, uh, especially specifically on offense, wasn't as good as it was the year before. Right, yeah, I agree. So I, I, don't, I don't put all the faults on uh, him taking a setback directly onto him. I kind of see it more as a, uh, as a team kind of setback. You know, I, I agree with you at the same time. What did you say you averaged? 5.3 yards a carry? Yeah. It's not exactly bad, you know. I mean, it's not. Uh, it's college, he, so I get it. Yeah, like numbers are a little more inflated and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, I, I I wouldn't say he had a bad year either. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily, especially you know, running backs are hard to gauge you know, to, to grade sometimes because uh, they could struggle without it being really their fault. You know, if there's no blocking ahead of you and you're getting hit in the backfield all the time, unless you're Barry Sanders, you know, it's gonna be hard to really churn out yardage. Uh, I'm not saying that's what happened there, but, you know, what's stuff like that. So you kind of just grade him based on what you think you saw out of him as a player. Uh, I, I thought he was a pretty good player. You know, I, I think he's – I don't think he's, he's gonna, he would ever have a big impact uh, in, in, in the past game, but I think he's more capable than he was used at LSU. LSU is not really a big uh, – you know, they're more of a, you know, big team, dominant team, you know, trying to run the ball and stuff like that. They're not really a dump it to the running back kind of kind of team, which is fine, you know. Um, but uh, I think guys the kind of guy that can can be your you know offensive centerpiece at least you know on, on the ground. They threw the ball to him forty times in college. He caught thirty one of those passes and only dropped three of them. Yeah, I mean, you uh, know, so I, it's not, it's not a, it's not a huge uh, sample size. You know, he obviously didn't get a ton of throws, but you know, it, it's something that. Uh, you, you, you can see him being more productive in the NFL with more opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they took Garon Christian out of Louisville in round three. Um, 
he's so Gerard's really a guy yeah. who he he grades out well as a pass blocker. Um, I think that's really his strong suit, but he's he. It's weird because he doesn't really do well as a run blocker, and um, you you really see more or less the opposite typically when you see tackles. Uh, right, you see yeah. guys who who can do who can you know run block, but they can't really pass block, which is what tends to limit them on the right side. But this is a guy who's the opposite. Like it's 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 weird to me. I you know what it is with him. I, I think he probably went a little earlier than he should have. At the same time, I, I think he went to a good situation because. He's going to a situation right now that uh, probably won't even – he's probably looking at a redshirt year this year. You know? Yeah. Williams uh, – Trent Williams got hurt a lot, gets hurt a lot. But, you know, between Trent Williams and Morgan Moses being the starting tackles and uh, – uh, Sheriff then, on the inside. Uh, Sheriff's on the inside. And then um, uh, who's the backup for Washington? That's uh, Ty Naseki, I think his name is. Uh, he, he actually filled in for Trent Williams uh, the last couple of years, whether he's been injured or suspended or other cases. And – Filled in uh, even more than admirably, I have to say. You know, so there's a lot of depth there for for tackle for Washington. So I could see Christian getting a full year off, basically, where you know he puts on, you know, they put they put him in an NFL weight room, try to put some weight on him. You know, he, he does have the athletic ability uh, to play, but I think he does need to work in his functional strength. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he is six six three fifteen, but. Um... I mean, he still has room in that frame to grow a little bit also. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I was, it's not to cut in, but one of the other guys that I did like for uh, Washington was uh, they got Tim Settle. You know, uh, I think he went round five. And that was a guy I was seeing go a lot in, you know, round three, early round four. I saw some late round two. Uh, so I, I thought they got pretty good value there for uh, Tim Settle. You know, on the D line, it just just helps the D line a little better. Uh, another guy they took was uh, Sean Deion Hamilton out of Alabama. Uh, he's yeah. a guy that you know uh, he's probably never going to be not Deshaun Hamilton. What? Not Deshaun Hamilton. No, no, not Deshaun Hamilton. <laughs> but I, you know, with with Hamilton, I I don't think he'll ever be a superstar or something like that. But I could see him panning out to be a you know kind of productive NFL player. You know, especially if you know the D line ahead of him is as talented as. You know, and as productive as they were when they played with them in college. So the settle pick is really surprising to me. Um, so he's a big guy. He's six three three thirty five, but he's nimble, and he really he, he he's probably better fit at the three technique. Yeah, um, and it's weird because Deron Payne I see more as a fit as at the one. Um, so I I wouldn't be surprised to see if Tim Settle uh, you know drop some pounds, maybe even gave it to Deron himself, and. Uh, State at the three. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, I, I didn't know what's more to make of it. I mean, it's, it's another, it's another pick where it's really, it's an anomaly of what the player is. Um, but I would not be surprised if they, uh, they put him on a diet regimen and had him dropping down to like 305 or, uh, even 295. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. And they also took the, uh, uh, the fast white boy out of Penn State, uh, Trey Quinn. Oh yeah, Troy Apke. Yes, the, uh, the reason I say that is because uh, of Deion Sanders' reaction when uh, he ran the forty. Well, he's like, he's like, man, that's that's impre- that's impressive. Is why that's surprising? Is why surprising? Oh goes, yeah, oh, yeah. He, he talked goes, around you it. Know, you know why it's surprising? <laughs> <laughs> Who said that again? Deion Sanders. That's right. Yeah. Classic Deion. But neon Deion. Yep. Um. So, moving on, let's talk about um, Dallas. So, 
first of all, um, let's give a shout out to both Jason Pino, colossal friend of the program and a uh, big time uh, Cowboys fan. And as well as my father, uh, Big Drew Dubs, who <laughs> uh, in a memorable conversation the day before the draft, I told him that the Cowboys are going to take Leighton Van Der Esch. They like him. They don't like any of the receivers in the first round. Um, like, watch, it's going to happen. My dad's classic response was, well, I, I need to study the film on him. Well, so, shout out to you, Dad, for uh, you know, hitting the film room uh, day before the draft. Um, that being said, fuck every Cowboys fan who not only booed the pick in AT&T Stadium, but they literally left the draft at the Cowboys pick. Um, did they really? Yeah, people were pissed about that pick. And Why? What, honestly, do, what, they, they, what do they want? I don't know. They probably wanted like Calvin Ridley. I have no idea. Um, but in reality, I think Leighton Van Der Esch is a, is a bigger contributor for them than Ridley would be. Um, Van Der Esch has been, was stout against the run. Uh, he's, he's an absolute thumper. And I think that he doesn't get the respect that he probably deserves, at least from that fan base, because he went to Boise State and – it's more or less in the post-Kellen Moore era and in not uh, Yeah, they're not really known as a, uh, as a football factor, especially defensively. You know, So, uh, I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty good move. They're a defense that, that you know, needed some talent at linebacker. You know, they have uh, Sean Lee, who's fantastic, but does battle a lot of injuries. And in addition to that, you know, they have Anthony Hitchens, who uh, left. I think he went to Kansas City. The free he agent. did, yes. So, you know, they did need – they need some the need was linebacker. there. The need, yeah, the need was there. And, you know, they didn't like any of the, the wide receivers around one picks, and, and they didn't take any wide receivers there as around one picks. You know, and, and you know what? They kind of stuck to their guns. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, uh, you, you try to value what you value, and, you know, you didn't leap at something. I, I know that they like Cortland Sutton, but they didn't like him as a first-round pick. You know, what I yes, heard absolutely. Um, Friday morning was if uh, Sutton was there for the Cowboys around two, they'd take him. He didn't make it to round two, and the Cowboys were okay with that, you know. And well, he did, just not to them. I'm saying he didn't make it to their yeah to their spot in round two, uh, and and the Cowboys were okay with that, you know, and and they weren't going to trade off for him. They didn't uh, see him as that big of an impact guy for them, and you know that's kind of that's kind of what they did. You know, it's funny though because the way Dallas wants to play now, you know, I, I think they kind of kind of showed you because you know they took a linebacker round one, which they definitely needed. Then round two came around, and you know. Dallas, Dallas offensive line isn't lacking talent. You know, they have Teron Smith at left tackle. They have Travis Frederick at center. They have Zach Martin at right guard. Those are three all-pro caliber players, you know. And then they have Lel Collins, who um, – him, I, I do think that uh, at the very least their fan base overrates him a little bit. I think um, he's been more or less – somewhat of a disappointment in his career. Yeah, I definitely – because, you know, people were talking about him as being a first round. You got top 15 pick. Top 15, you know, tackle. top Even top 10, I, I even saw at times. So, and then the and murder investigation came out. And I don't – I think I look at his, him and his career trajectory now, and I think if that guy take, got taken in the top 10 of, of a draft, I wouldn't have thought that he had lived up to his, you know, uh, draft potential. So, you know, that's that's something that – you know, I, I would definitely consider, but you know, I, I think he's somebody that's better inside than he is at at, at tackle, at least so, thus far in his career. Um, you know, but they went out and they drafted Connor Williams out of Texas. You know, and uh, I like Connor Williams. Uh, I I do struggle a little bit with where I see him ending up in the sense of inside outside. You know, um, he does have a little shorter arms, so that kind of pushes him inside a little bit, but 
you know, I think he does have the footwork to play outside. It's tough. I'm sure they'll figure it out. They'll probably what they'll probably do is just an uh, an open competition for right tackle, whether it be Williams or Collins, and the loser, you know, kicks inside to left guard, and then that's where they'll play him. You know, uh, so, so that, that's kind of where I see him. Go ahead. I know, I know, Williams is definitely a polarizing prospect. Um, I think he has the build for a tackle, but I really think that at the end of the day, he's probably going to be kicking inside. Um, he was good overall, but he wasn't he wasn't great as a pass blocker. He was much better as a run blocker. Um, he's athletic, which is um, it's a positive for for the line because you usually get those you know those big guys. It's hard to be you know athletic and movable there. Yeah. Um, but I think as a pass blocker, he's definitely a work in progress. Um, but I, th- I think he's – I think you'll get the most out of him at, at, his, at a guard. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas um, tried to groom him as a tackle. Yeah, I could see that. Um, however, I think the patience for Dallas at receiver really did pay off because they got Michael Gallup in round three. And um, Gallup himself, compared to the other top receivers, is a good value pick for where he was. Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought they did well to, you know, not kind of reach on a guy, but just kind of let them fall to him. Uh, I thought there was a lot of – I didn't think the draft was top-heavy at wide receiver. I thought there was a lot of day two, day three guys that were, you know, worth worth a pick. So I, I think they were smart to play it that way. Uh, I think that was the, probably the better approach. You know, um, he's, a, uh, he's an interesting guy. Uh, you know, he's not too big. You know, uh, I think he's like six, he's six one two hundred. So he's not, you know, he's, he's not going to step in and replace, you know, does the size and does athleticism. But you know, I, I think he's a pretty fast guy. I think he ran like a four five or something like maybe somewhere in that range, um, or low four fives. Uh, you know, he was uh, he was pretty good. I think he um, four five one, four five one. All right, I was pretty close. Uh, you know, he's a guy who uh, came from I think came from a JUCO school too before he went to Colorado State, and uh, you know, he had a pretty good uh, career there at Colorado State for I think it was like two years, and you know. He kind of played his way up, and I could see him being a, a guy who, you know, has an impact early on. Uh, my, my thing more is about, for the Cowboys, uh, what, what kind of offense are they, you know, looking to – not all kind of offense looking to run, but, you know, Dak's a kind of guy that, you know, a couple years in, we're not really sure what he is as a passer. You know, I, I, I think there's definite questions about him uh, throwing downfield, um, you know, and, and – that's something that they're going to have to figure out uh, if that's a strength or that's something that he can work on. Uh, if it's a weakness, whatever the case is, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious at this point what Dallas's uh, offensive philosophy is going to be. And that's going to be to Follow the ball to Zeke. Right. Exactly. Give the ball to Zeke. He's Zeke's Zeke already was, but he's still far and away their best offensive player. And he's the kind of guy you want to get in his hand, the ball in his hands and run behind that offensive line for as long as possible. You know, the blueprint that they had in 2016 was, you know, run the ball with Zeke, uh, control the clock, keep your defense off the field, limit other teams' possessions, limit other teams' tempos. You you control the game, and, and you know what? It worked. It led him to a number one seed, and you know that was with a rookie a rookie Dak. So if if you look at it and you think, you know, Dak might improve or or, or get better, or maybe, you know, whatever the case is, uh, you know, you're probably going to be looking at the same uh, scheme. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I think Gallup um, is a guy who he's he's pretty good in, in basically all the uh, facets of the game, um, but he's not really great at any of them. 
Yeah, but I see him more as like a high volume kind of guy, almost like Jarvis Landry, who the more looks he gets, the better he does. I, you know, ideally, I think he's more of a number two wide receiver. Oh, but, definitely. Uh, I, think, you know, I think that's how it is for every receiver in this class. Yeah, you know, uh, so I think he's the kind of guy that if you can find a number one somewhere, whether it be uh, trading for one or, you know, drafting one next year or whatever the case is, maybe it's, you know, stronger class next year, whatever the case may be, you know, I think Gallup's the kind of guy that he's your number two. It's not bad. Like, you know, the last few years they've been getting by with Terrence Williams as a number two receiver. And <laughs> I got to be honest, I don't think Terrence Williams is very good. So, no, absolutely not. you know, I, I think Gallup at the very least has the ability to be better than him. So, you know, if you're lining up Gallup and Hearns and, you know, you'll, you'll I could see them making do kind of thing. I mean, at the very worst, it's uh, the deal is for a year. But on the bright side, there actually is a uh, a pretty good wide receiver available on the open market should they choose to sign him. Uh, who does Bryant? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I don't see that um, happening. So another one of the picks that I liked was um, Durant Armstrong out of, uh, out of Kansas. So beginning of the year, he was flirting with a, a first-round grade, and then uh, things started going a little south for him. He slipped down. Um, I would have saw him as like a second or third round guy. He lasted fourth at one sixteen. Um, the defensive line was a uh, two years ago was a really weak position for Dallas. Um, they had to go to as far as having to sign Greg Hardy um, for any hopes of uh, giving the contributions that just that just did not work out for them. Um, but Demarcus Lawrence has worked out well for them. Uh, they took Taco Taco Shelton in the first round last year. Taco. Uh, if he gets his shit together, um, they'll have Randy Gregory coming back. I wouldn't um, rely on that guy to do anything. I also wouldn't either. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, if you, you can get anything out of him, definitely. You know. So, Durant isn't going to be a guy who's going to be um, – like, he's not going to be much of a pass rusher, but he at least gives you that, that run-stopping presence. So, um, he has that availability on, like, first and second downs, I'll say. Um. But at the very least, um, there's not pressure on him to be an immediate contributor either. Yeah, um, I, I, I could see the value of that. Um, they've been, uh, you know, they've been adding guys, and uh, another guy is uh, I don't know if you, I don't remember if you mentioned, but David Irving. Uh, yeah, sorry, I forgot to mention him. Yeah, uh, he, he's a guy who, man, like that guy's got a lot of potential. You know, uh, not even just potential. I mean, he's shown potential, just ability. That guy's got a ton of ability. Just needs to. I think he had something like seven sacks in only eight games last year. And uh, he's he's the guy we spoke about uh, regarding the Tampa Bay game uh, against Gossett-Cherilis, who just abused him. You know, like, and, uh, abused. Yeah, and he's he's actually super talented and super versatile, too. You know, he can play inside, he can play outside. He's just – he's got to, you know, keep his head straight and stay out of trouble. And, and you know, the Dallas D-line is actually pretty good for the first time in – uh, in a while, you know, they, they, for for a while, they, you know, they had a really just a lack of depth and talent on that line. But you know, they, they've they've gotten better. Uh, you know, they, they made the the linebacking core better. I thought their their cornerback play was pretty solid last year too. Uh, th- to me, the, the biggest question mark is is safety. You know. Yeah. Um, so they lost Barry Church last year, and I don't think they really they really properly replaced him. Um, yep. In the offseason. And, again, like we mentioned this earlier in the AFC South podcast, but, I mean, Church isn't, you know, he's not some all-world safety, but he's serviceable. And um, as it's been shown, it hasn't been really uh, – hasn't been very easy to replace him. Um, I think I can't 
I'm not 100% positive. Um, is Byron Jones going back to corner this year? Uh, the last I heard, he was. Uh, I don't know if anything's changed since then. But, uh, you know, the last I heard, the, yeah, that he was. All right, so he'll be back at corner. Um, Jadobia Woozy and uh, Jordan Lewis both show some promise at, at corner also. Um, not to the extent of, you know, Tredavious White or Marshawn Lattimore, but right. they, they, they showed promise, which um, – I think Chidobi was a second rounder uh, in 2017. Jordan Lewis was a um, was a third rounder. Uh, so uh, I don't know if that's right. Oh, uh, whatever. I just checked it. He is. Oh, they were okay. Whatever. The Cowboys draft picks. <laughs> no. um, um, yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. I, I thought I thought that they did pretty well in the, in the draft last year, and then uh, even the year before, this like Anthony Brown. I think um, in the fifth round, I think it was, and uh, he actually you know held up pretty well and stuff like that. I, I think they're. Cornerback situation uh, isn't isn't a bad one by any means. I, I think they're pretty okay at cornerback. You, you want to see their guys continue to develop, obviously. But, uh, you know, they, they've definitely given you a reason to, you know, come into this year feeling pretty good about them. Definitely. Um, and um, also with their draft. Um, so during the draft, during the third day of the draft, rumors started coming up that Jason Witt was going to retire. Um, in that time frame, they took uh, Dalton Schultz out of uh, Stanford, uh, and Witten actually retired today. So I think Schultz is going to probably slide in as the as the second tight end. I think Rico Gathers is going to get the uh, the first crack at the starting job. Right. But what do you uh, what do you make of Schultz uh, overall? I don't think he's going to be the long term answer for them at tight end. You know, uh, I, I'm not sure if they here, – here's, here's the one thing with me. I, I don't really know if the Cowboys knew the situation because it was coming out that, you know, they might be moving on, and then it was coming out that, uh, you know, Jerry Jones didn't know yet and this and that. And, you know, I, Jerry I'm Jones not, doing, doing damage control? Yeah, maybe it could have been the war room. Too, but, uh, you know, I, I think Schultz could be the guy to step in. You know, it's funny, I, you know, with, with Witten. Uh, and this isn't a knock on him at all because, you know, I think people might take this as one. I don't look at him as some, uh, you know, uh, elite tight end talent, you know. And, and I, I don't say that as an insult. I say that more, uh, you know, in appreciation of it because he's a guy that, you know, despite not probably, probably not being an elite talent, he was never an elite athlete. You know, obviously he was a better athlete than, you know, 10 years ago than he is now. But, you know, uh, he just uh, – he was, uh, you know, a lunch pail guy, you know. Uh, he showed up every day. He's a fantastic blocker. Uh, just found ways to get open, uh, found ways to make plays. You know, he's tough. He's gritty. You know, almost never missed a game and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, he's probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame one, one day. But, you know, he's probably – nobody will ever think of him as the most talented guy in the world. But, you know, you know, regarding Schultz, you know, I see a guy who's uh, not that dissimilar – uh, from Witten, you know, like he's not a guy who's gonna blow you away athletically. Uh, he's got good size, you know. He's about six five, two forty five, two fifty. So, you know, uh, he probably put on a little more weight to be, you know, to be a little bit of a blocker and stuff. But, you know, uh, he was he was a smart guy. I, you know, he scored a thirty two on his uh, on his Wonderlic, which was, you know, kind of cool. And uh, he's he's <laughs> kind of cool. Guy, yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, he's a guy that you know lines up on the line, and uh, you know I, he's gonna get the first crack at being a tight end. I think they did like Rico Gathers a lot last offseason until he suffered the uh, concussion that kind of knocked him out for the year. My dad loves Rico Gathers. Uh, pride of Baylor. Uh, yes, pride so, of Baylor basketball. Pride of Baylor basketball. That's right. 
So, uh, I mean, I think both of them will have an opportunity to uh, make plays and, you know, see whoever, whoever steps up and takes the position. Um, and I think speaking of Dalton Schultz, uh, at, at least at this point, and this is, this is not very common uh, in this day and age in tight ends, um, his blocking ability uh, supersedes his, uh, his receiving ability. And usually uh, when you're a rookie tight end, it's the other way around. You're so used to right, playing yeah. in these spread offenses where you're the offensive weapon and you can't block for shit. And you have a, a slow rookie or even second year because you have to learn how to block at the NFL level to, to even be a contributor to tight end unless you're – with, with rare exceptions, like if you're Tony Gonzalez. Um, but, I mean, he at least has, like – to some degree, and in, in much better position than most other people uh, at tight end, has blocking down Pat. Uh, he needs a little more polish, but um, I think the hardest part for him is out of the way. Now he has to develop as a receiver. Yeah, I, and, and you know what? Regarding that, I, I'd rather take a guy who's a little more raw as a receiver. At least at tight end. I'd rather take a guy who's a little more raw as, as a receiver and who needs to develop that than take a guy who really just kind of sort of can't block. Yeah, uh, you know, so because I feel like, you know, if you can block, I could I could teach you how to run some routes and then get open and this and that. But if you could just, you know, catch passes and you can't block, I mean, you're basically a, a receiver to me. You know, you're not a tight end. You know, so yeah, uh, I, 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 you know, it, it's it's to me that's a good dilemma to have. And you know what, I, I think he'll be in a situation where, you know, Dak likes throwing the tight ends. Dak's very comfortable throwing the tight ends. It'll probably help uh, his case uh, with doing that that way, too. Absolutely. Um, so they also landed a new backup quarterback in Mike White, which uh, Michael Keon, or however you pronounce your last I name. I believe I'm it's Chang. <laughs> um, I know he's your pride and joy uh, out of Western Kentucky. Um, I think White was somewhat of an underrated prospect. Uh, didn't go to a big school. I think his biggest flaw is um, – not being able to handle pressure well. Um, and um, he's not always in sync with his offense. Uh, so his timing sometimes, sometimes gets thrown off. And that's a, uh, that's a big concern at the NFL level because pretty much everything you do as a, as a quarterback and throwing your roots is on time. a lot of the time, right, yeah. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of tools. Uh, but he's I, toolsy. Yeah, he's toolsy, like we said. You know. But, uh, you know, he's uh, – there's stuff there. I, I will say this. Uh, if you're – if you were a day three quarterback prospect, uh, Dallas is one of the better places to go. Only because, you know, uh, Dak has flashed in his time there. He's shown uh, some things to make you feel excited about. But I don't think uh, Dallas is a thousand percent sure that Dak is the quarterback of the future. Uh, I, I think they're they're going to give him the opportunity to be. They give him every opportunity to be. He's obviously going to enter this season unthreatened. Uh, and I still think they'll go from there. But I don't think Dallas views Dak as, you know, uh, the complete, you know, 100% going to be our, our quarterback for the next decade or so kind of guy. You know, that's kind of how I see it. So I think White went to a decent situation because, you know, if a team's not fully committed to, you know, uh, the guy that they have there, you know, there might be an opportunity that might arise for, for somebody else to come up. Um, I will say too, I think, uh, I think Dax, I want to say his biggest flaw about, uh, probably think the most notable thing is that, I mean, he doesn't throw a lot of picks, but he doesn't really take a lot of those chances either. 
Right. And Dallas's offense is really filtered to run it through Zeke. So he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really have to sit there and bomb it out unless uh, it's late in the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, it reminds me somewhat of a sense of Jared Goff. So, I mean, Goff, as we all know, was god awful his rookie year. And then uh, made leaps and bounds the past season. But I think they, the Rams also tailored their offense to minimize mistakes that he would make and not really throw downfield, um, which is why guys like Sammy Watkins um, had a disappointing season in, with the Rams. Yeah. Um, and I kind of see – I see Dak in that same light. It's probably one of the reasons, too, why, uh, why Dez uh, regressed a little bit under, under Dak, along with his refusal to learn uh, – to change the style of play, his refusal to learn new routes. Um, like, you know, Dex's personality wasn't there either, but um, his bread and butter skill set also wasn't meshing they well. Didn't mesh with... Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that was a big part of it, too. Um, and then uh, one of the pick I want to talk about with Dallas is Bo Scarborough. Um, yeah, I, I thought that, that was an interesting one. I, I think it's an interesting one because, you know, Bo, Bo probably should have been better in college. Um, Bo knows. And, yeah, Bo knows that he should probably should have been better in college. But, uh, you know, there was production there. He ran behind a big offensive line. So, you know, they got what they kind of needed out of him. He didn't really wow anybody. That said, you know, he's coming to the NFL and he's coming to a team that he's not going to be the starter. He's not expected to be the starter. He's basically – the way I view him is he's basically going to be Zeke's caddy in the sense of <laughs> I could see him being a short yardage back here and there to give uh, Zeke a breather. I can see him being uh, the, you know, early down back in this, in case that uh, Zeke is uh, out with injury or more likely suspension. So I, I, I think there is value for Scarborough uh, there. I don't think there's value for him on a lot of teams, but I think he's a good fit as, uh, you know, Zeke's kind of understudy for them. The one thing I don't like about him being in Dallas, though, is that um, I, I see his, his real upside as being that, like, touchdown vulture. I mean, he's a he's a tall drink of water. He's six foot two, two thirty five, um, yep. which is going to remind a lot of people of uh, of Derrick Henry, who also played football for Bama. Um, but even even I mean, even at the end zone, I mean, Zeke's getting that ball on the one yard line. Not uh, he's not going to defer that to, to somebody else. Yeah, I mean, uh, for the most part, I still expect Zeke to be the the, the goal line back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing too is that and I think this probably hurt him a little bit also. Um, is that he never carried the ball more than 20 times in college. Um, so I know there's questions about, you know, the durability of workhorse stuff. And he's the kind of back I think you look at um, to hand him the ball late in the game to just grind it out. Between right, yeah. And, I mean, that, that's kind of where I, I see him, too. And I, I mean, and I think there's value for him there, too. I think, I think his ceiling, and this is his absolute ceiling, is LeGarrette Blount. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, a red zone threat, which is a big body guy who, you know, just – can absolutely run over your opponent. Um, you know what? Though? That, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Blunt, it's, it's not. Blunt's, but... Blunt's won what back-to-back Super Bowls now. Uh, but, yeah. You know, he's had a couple thousand-yard seasons. He's, he's been productive when he makes the plays that he needs to make. You know, it's listen. Th- there's a lot of uses for guys. You just got to figure out how to use them. That's to me. That's why Belichick's the best because it's not like he's got loaded teams. He just knows how to put guys in, in positions to succeed. You know, so. All right, moving on. Let's talk about the Eagles. So, Philly uh, traded down a little bit. They, did, um, they didn't have a second rounder or a third rounder. So, they traded the uh, number 32 overall in that package deal that got um, Lamar Jackson to go to Baltimore. Their topic is a little bit surprising. They took Dallas Goddard out of uh, South Dakota State. 
Yeah, that was a little surprising. Uh, that, that was that was a weird pick because you know they already had Zach Ertz, who uh, finally you know kind of stepped up and had a had a pretty big big season. You know, uh, and he I'm was sure. healthy too. And he was healthy the first time, and and it was weird that they turned around and just wanted to get Goddard. But you know, at the same time, uh, you know, people worried about you know the, the fantasy perspectives kind of thing in the sense of you know what's he going to do to this target and that target. And honestly, the Eagles are just looking at it from their point of view and they're where. You know, uh, carving Zach Ertz was really, really hard to do. Imagine you had somebody else who was, you know, his equal on the other side. You know, covering covering two of the same guys would be tougher. You know, so if they yeah. look at him that way, I I, I get it. You know, because you're just you're just trying to make your offense as as hard to guard as possible. You know, and if, if they believe that uh, Goddard was that guy, you know, I, I don't think they really saw the value of wide receivers at that point. And you know, between. Uh, Aguilar uh, between uh, Alshon Jeffrey, who they really liked and they just paid uh, the, the Mike other Wallace. guy. Uh, well, Mike Wallace is more of a veteran guy, but they um, had traded for a guy. Who Mac Collins. Mac Collins, that's who it was. They traded him for Mac Collins, who I also know that they like. Uh, they probably didn't really see a wide receiver who can come in and really compete with those guys that they really like, so they went with another pass catcher instead. Um, so one of the more interesting storylines for the Eagles this offseason, with the exception of uh, will they, won't they, as far as trading Nick Foles, is they traded Torrey Smith to Carolina for Daryl Worley. And then Worley got arrested. Um, and, like, literally the same, as he got arrested, he's probably still being processed. Uh, Philadelphia cut him. I don't I, – I know secondary has been a need for Philadelphia for a little bit. Um, I don't think it's been as bad as people said it was. Um, I'm a big fan of Sidney Jones, and he missed his entire rookie year after rupturing his Achilles. All right. Uh, but that also didn't stop Philadelphia from taking Avante Maddox out of Pittsburgh in the, uh, in the fourth round. And Maddox, I think he's going to be stuck going to the slot, mainly because he's 5'9", 180. He's not a big guy at all. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny, though, because uh, – it probably helps, you know, like there's, there's actually, you know, a few capable slot cornerbacks uh, just in the division alone, you know, between uh, Jameson Crowder, Cole Beasley, Sterling Shepard. And, uh, you know, uh, Maddox has value to them because last year uh, Patrick Robinson played the slot for them. And, you know, he's not around anymore. He uh, signed with uh, New Orleans, I believe. So, you know, they really didn't need somebody to come in and play that slot cornerback position, you know. So uh, uh, Philly's a team that you look at them and they don't really have a lot of holes. So when you see them and you say, okay, well, you know what, we could use somebody to come and play the slot so you could leave Darby on the outside, so leave Sidney Jones on the outside, you know, and uh, that's kind of just, you know, what they did. And they went and got a guy who they think profiled primarily for inside the slot. And, you know, that's where they saw their value. And, uh, you know, uh, Maddox is a, he's, 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 you know, he's a fighter, you know, he's a scrapper. Uh, he's going to play the slot, really can't play outside, but he'll probably, uh, It'll probably help them out, you know, on the slot. And another guy that they took that I thought was a, a pretty good pick, all things considered, was uh, Josh Sweat, you know. Uh, yeah, the uh, defensive end at the Florida State. You know, uh, super athlete. Um, you know, had some, he had some knee problems and stuff like that that, you know, he's dealt with in college and stuff. But, you know, at that point, when you're Philly, like I said, you know, their roster is so loaded, there's not a ton of guys that you can draft that are really going to come in and have an impact day one anyway. So you just kind of take, you know – Guys that you might be able to develop in a year or two, you know, their their defensive end depth is is pretty good this year. You know, between uh, Brandon Graham and Michael <clears throat> Bennett, uh, Michael Bennett, who they just signed, and uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody else, but Derek uh, Barnett, uh, Derek Barnett, who they use a first round pick on. Uh, I believe Chris Long still there. Is Long still there? I think he's on a second year with D. 
is correct. Um, yeah, I think so. They, so you know, they're they're pretty deep at, at defensive end. So they took a guy who you know maybe a red shirt, maybe they kind of just long as they're yes. around. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you know, you take a guy who's got a ton of you know, athletic ability, and maybe you try to mold it. You know, I, I, Philly didn't have a ton of holes. Uh, you know, they the holes they probably looked at was you probably want to get another weapon. Uh, you want to fill in the slot. Uh, maybe you take a you know a guy you can look forward to, and that was pretty much it. And that's kind of what they did. Yeah. All right. Uh, last but not least, let's talk about the Giants. So, disclosure for those who are still listening: uh, Nick is a Giants fan, and Nick is a little pissed off. So, um, Eli Manning, thirty-seven years old. Eli Manning has won the Giants two Super Bowls, but Father Time is undefeated, and Eli his play slowly declined over the past few years. Um, I think just about everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Yeah, um, I agree. For the Giants last year, um, Mur- Murphy's Law, basically. Thanks, but I think it put them in a prime position to basically blow everything up and then rebuild um, where they needed to. And, and I, th- I think we're both on the same page, but I think the biggest part of the rebuild is finding your heir for Eli. Right. I, which yeah. in a quarterback heavy draft, when you have the number two pick, I mean, I think that's, I think that's the pick. Uh, I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, that's not really, that's not really what we're questioning here. I, my, my thing was, was, you know, right off the bat, anybody who knows me, anybody's ever spoken to me, you know, knows that I'm the biggest Eli fan literally in the world. Like I, number 10 of the giants, number one. In yeah, your heart. Literally he's, you know, he, Eli was drafted when I was, uh, 14 years old, you know, so I've literally watched his entire career and I've literally, I literally mean, I watched his entire career. You know, I, I watched him get drafted. I remember his first start. My brother actually went to his first start. It was against Atlanta, uh, against Michael Vick. You know, I remember his first win, uh, week 17 of the 2004 season. We beat the Cowboys. They came back, you know, uh, Tiki Barber set a franchise record. Like I, I remember at, like, I remember every parts of Eli's career, you know, the, the ups and downs, you know, the goods, the bads. Um, I remember uh, after his fourth regular season, you know, 2007, people were really talking about him. You know, there was newspaper articles about how he was uh, the wrong pick, not the right guy for the job. They should have taken Philip Rivers. They should have taken Ben Roethlisberger, this and that. And After the 06 season, right? Uh, no. Or after, before the 07 season? After the 07 season. Uh, before, uh, not, I say not fully after the 07 season, but I want to say it was after the Vikings game in 07 when he threw four interceptions. Think, so before the Super Bowl, then right before the Super Bowl run, yes. So, okay. like everybody was out on him, everybody was out on him, and even Tiki threw him under the bus too. Yeah, whatever, Tiki's Tiki. But you know, <laughs> everybody was out on him, and I just like to me, I I, I believed him, and it wasn't stubbornness. I just I looked and saw a guy that, uh, you know, he wasn't the most talented guy in the world, and I was okay. You know, he wasn't uh the not the biggest. Dog. He wasn't even the most talented sibling in that family. Yeah, that's definitely true too. But <laughs> I, I just also saw a guy that. Uh, you know, in big spots, uh, would rise. You know, his star shine brightest then. He, he did. You know, and, and he did it a lot. And it just people didn't really notice it because the Giants weren't much better than a, you know, nine ten win team. I think in his first four seasons he went. Uh, you know, he was like one and six his rookie year, one and seven. But after that, you know, they went eleven and five to win the division. And next year they were eight and eight. And next year they were ten and six. So and a lot, in a lot of those games, you know, he was you know somewhat mediocre, whatever the case is. So. You know, as I look at it now, 10 years later, you know, 11 years later, whatever it is, the guy's won two Super Bowl for us. He, he literally never missed a start due to an injury. He's given everything he ever he's ever had to the Giants. You know, so uh, when I when I look at it and think we should get a new quarterback, it's got nothing to do with 
you know, I hate Eli or I don't appreciate everything he's done. I appreciate everything that guy's ever done for us. You know, that, that guy to me is uh, everything you could ever ask for out of a draft pick, you know. And not only that, but he's one of the few he, – he pushed to get traded to the Giants. He, he took so much shit. He took to, so much backlash for it. And he came to the, you know, <laughs> the, the media capital of basically, the, you know, at least of the other country, the league. You know, where he'd be under so much scrutiny, so much pressure. If he didn't fulfill any anything, you know, like, he would have been ripped on for his entire career. And he came in and he won two Super Bowls with the Giants. And people argue over how much he contributed to it in one of the cases. Uh, you know, he contributed. He contributed more to the second one than, than the first one. That, that's a fair argument. Uh, I, I think the first one, he was as big a part of the Super Bowl as anybody else was, but maybe not a bigger part than anybody else was. Uh, and the second one, the second one, he was he was awesome, just yeah. flat out awesome. He he played out of his mind, you know, and and he did it without any, you know, for most of the season he did it without any one game. He did it with a defense that wasn't any good. I think, I think I'm pretty sure I could be wrong about this. That is the most points ever given up by a defense uh, by a team to win a Super Bowl. I think they gave up something like 420 points in the, in the season or something like that, but. You know, he did in revisionist history. People think that defense is like something great. Right, like, yeah, like I, and, and, I, and I sit there and I, and I think like I watched all these games. I went to some of those games. I I went to the last game against Dallas, uh, week seventeen, to watch one division. I went to the Falcons playoff game. I flew out to San Francisco to watch. That defense was not special outside of the front four, particularly. That defense was downright pedestrian. Their middle linebacker in that defense was literally teaching Jim in Ohio in December. <laughs> And started in the Super Bowl in February. This is like this is the defense that that they they won a Super Bowl with. And people try to tell me that, well, yeah, the defense in the running game won the Super Bowl. The running game, the running game was the worst rushing attack in the NFL that year. They were ranked thirty second, like they were literally dead last. And not oh, they were a bad rushing defense. They were literally dead last. So I, I look at this guy and I, I I think the world of him. And I, I think to myself, you know, things change overnight in the NFL sometimes. You know, uh, because something. Uh, was it doesn't mean that it always will be, you know. I, I think part of the reason why Eli was bad in 2017 was because he had no help. He had no offensive line. He had very little run game. Or literally all his wide receivers got hurt. So I don't think Eli Manning is as bad as 2017 Eli Manning is. But I know for a fact that Eli Manning is no longer the 2011 Eli Manning either. And my my thing was was I wasn't even against uh, him being the starter of 2018. I was fine with it. I, my plan was draft the quarterback, and then you draft the rest of the team, you know, the, the best ways you fit. You have your quarterback, you sit in behind Eli. As long as the Giants were a competitive bas- uh, football team, uh, as long as they were competing and winning games, as long as they were in a playoff race, you play Eli, and that's okay. And if you know, you know what? If, they were after ten, if the 10 games they were 7-3, and three, then you play Eli. That's it. You know, the idea that, Oh, well, okay, you know, it used to be that quarterback, you know, rookie quarterbacks used to have to sit. And now rookie quarterbacks seem to have to play. And my thing is, is like, you know, there's no one way to make it work. You know, there's no one way that you have to go about uh, raising a quarterback or, 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 or bridging him or whatever the case is. Like, you know, there's a lot of different ways that, that it works. Some, some quarterbacks start from day one. Aaron Rodgers didn't play for three years, you know, like, and Aaron Rodgers to me is the, the most gifted quarterback to ever live. And he didn't play. Yeah. He literally didn't play for three years, you know. So he didn't even become a starting quarterback until he was like 27, 28 years old. Hey, Jimmy, and even then, they had to take 
Green Bay to say fuck you to Brett Favre for that to happen. Yeah, and then, you know, and and I'm you know obviously I would have hated to see that happen with the Giants. I don't think it would have, you know, because Eli's just uh, handles things a lot better. But even Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo got drafted for three and a half years, literally never played because the only time Brady ever missed time was because he got suspended for four games. And in those yeah. four games, Garoppolo played what one and a half and got hurt. Yep, whatever it was, you know. So or two and a half, I think two and a half. Yeah, all right. So whatever it was, so you know. You, you see that. My thing was like, oh, people were like, oh, you grab a quarterback and, and sit him for three years. Uh, yes, not, maybe. not three years. But, but... You know, but yeah, exactly. Like, maybe. Maybe we do. You know, and if so, it's great. But the, but the reality is, is that, you know, at some point, Eli's not going to be here anymore. You know, and, and you know what? I, I think I think he still has some football left in him, but it's not much, you know. And, and, and the, the other part that, that I think people skip over is that, even if Eli has, you know, more than a little left in the tank, the team isn't great. Like, the team around him isn't fantastic. You know, they have some weapons. You know, they have Beckham. They have Ingram. You know, they got rid of Marshall. They don't, you know, other than Shepard, they don't really have anything else at wide receiver. You know, they signed Cody Lattimore, who, you know, really didn't pan out with his brother. You know, so you look at the roster, and I think to myself, you know, are we looking at a, you know, a, a roster that's going to compete for a championship? No, they're not. Are we looking for a roster that's going to be for the playoffs? You know, maybe. You look at the schedule, I don't think that's a team that's making the playoffs. You know, I think the over-under was set in Vegas at six and a half. Six and a half, you know? yeah. You're looking at a team that's probably not looking at a real, uh, you know, competition over the next couple of years. Like, you know, everybody's so excited about uh, Saquon Barkley, you know. And here's my thing with him. I don't think he's a bad prospect at all. I think he's very, very talented. Uh, I do question his ability to run inside a little bit. Uh, you know, I think he tries to bounce it out to the outside a little too much. And I think that's something that you can get away with in college because you're generally a lot more athletic than everybody else. So it's it's a little more acceptable. But in the NFL, that's not going to work. You can't keep trying to bounce it outside. At some point, you know, Divas is going to be able to read you better and you're not going to be able to do it. So I think and they're going to funnel you in. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think he's going to have a little bit of an adjustment. But generally, I, I do think Barkley's going to be a good. NFL player, but the issue with me is that it's a couple of them. One of them is, well, how important is it having a, you know, star running back in the NFL? You know, who who was the last star running back that won a Super Bowl? Realistically, I mean, if you consider Marshall and Lynch a star running back, I guess he qualified. But at the same time, I would argue that Seattle won those two, won that Super Bowl on the back of their historic defense, not because their running game was good. Especially you know, that like, game too, that completely just. <clears throat> Yeah. You know, bum rushed uh, paint from the right. get go. You know, like th- that, 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 that game was dominated by the defense. You know, it, w- it wasn't wasn't the one game that, that that did it for them. You know, and you know, you look back and even if you look you look at the best the best running backs in the NFL right now. You know, like uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, David Johnson. Uh, David Johnson has won what one playoff game in his career, and I think that was as uh, well, I don't even know was if he was a starter by then or whatever the case is. But you know, Le'Veon Bell like hasn't really had a ton of success. He's played in what one AFC Championship game, Z- Z- which is crazy because it's Pittsburgh too. I mean, yeah, you know, and and, and that, not only that, but it's crazy because Pittsburgh's a team that you know has a Super Bowl winning uh, quarterback, has multi Super Bowl winning quarterback, multi, yeah, multi Super Bowl winning quarterback. A coach has won a Super Bowl, uh, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, or at least at the very least one of the top two, three of them. You know, a stout offensive line, uh, pretty good offensive line, uh, defense. That's you know it's been up and down and stuff like that, but you know. Zeke. Zeke, a lot of people tell you, you know, Zeke's the best pure runner in the NFL. 
He's been to the playoffs once in two years. Is he productive? Yeah, sure. But, but the argument, you know, the thing is for me is the argument isn't about uh, production. You know, the, the thing to me is that, you know, the Giants are looking to get production out of the second overall pick at running back. Last year, the fourth overall pick was Leonard Fournette. You know, and he was, you know, we've spoken about this. He was okay, you know. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Kareem Hunt was drafted in round three, and he won the rushing title. You know, uh, Alvin Kamara was drafted – what late round two, early round three, he was he was an all pro and he was round fantastic. Three. It was round early round three, right? He was an all yeah. pro, you know, like even and, um, even the year Zeke was drafted, Jordan Howard was a fifth round pick. Yeah, and he had and he he ran for what twelve hundred yards behind a subpar offensive line too. You know, it, it's funny because if you see these charts for for the rise in pay for all these players, the one position that, that barely has risen is running back. You know, quarterbacks are getting paid three times as much. You know, uh, wide receivers, the money's gone up. Guards, tackles, all these guys have gone up. Running back to a position where they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to pay you that much money. I, I don't see the value in paying you that much money when I can get somebody else to come in and do 80% of your job for 20% of your pay. I'm not going to yeah. do that. Even Le'Veon Bell. To me, Le'Veon Bell is, uh, you know, to me, Le'Veon Bell has been the best running back in the NFL for the last three, four years. When he's healthy, to me, he's super productive. You know, like, I love Le'Veon Bell. You know that I love Le'Veon Bell. You know that he can't get a contract, and this is this is, a, and you know this is a proven commodity in the NFL. This isn't a guy who's had a half a good season or one good season. This is literally a guy who, every time he's on the court, is a superstar running uh, on the field. Is a superstar running back, and he's basically this generation's Marshall Falk. Basically, you know, like he looks a little different doing it, but he's. You know, he, he does it through the air. He does it on the ground. He's literally a do- – He lines up in the slot. He lines up in the slot. He look, he's a do-everything running back. He, he's basically – if you look – if you're a Giants fan and you look at Le'Veon Bell, you say, wow, I hope, you know, Saquon Barkley is as good as him, basically. Like, production-wise, the guy puts up numbers. Like, I, I think he, 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 he set a record for uh, yards from scrimmage for the first however many games of the year or, or of his career or something like that. Like, he's ultra-productive. And I look at him yeah. and I say, you know, Pittsburgh has him and doesn't even want to pay him. You know, and, and that's the big commitment that the Giants made. You know, when you're picking that high, you know, you're guaranteeing a lot of money. Now, where you're guaranteeing the money kind of does matter because now if you're guaranteeing that much money at, at running back, you know, at a position that he's – I believe he's the fourth highest played running back in the NFL right now. Like, yeah, as, as a rookie. I, I think about that. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to guarantee to somebody who's literally never even taken a snap in the NFL. And you yeah. and I know the argument is well you got to pay somebody yeah you're right you do have to pay somebody but paying a quarterback the twenty third most you know money in the NFL is a lot less prohibitive than paying a running back the fourth most, fourth uh, most money running. in the NFL you know so it, it's it's a big commitment to make uh, for a position that has a pretty high fail rate and also has a high success rate outside of round one you know yeah. so uh, to me the, the, just the whole thing was just I, I didn't like the value. You know, I, I really I, – I didn't see the value in taking a uh, running back that high. I still don't, you know. And and people – a lot of people have been critical, you know, of, of my criticism of it, you know, because we sit there and we say, you know, like, oh, we got Barkley. And and it's crazy to me, the, the, the cult following that Saquon Barkley, who has never, literally never taken a snap in the NFL, uh, has, has – And Davis Webb, give his following. Yeah, yeah, Webb's another one. But it's, it's crazy to me the support that he's garnered in, in this short time. Like – you know, all these people who I'm re- willing to bet have never watched a Juan Barkley play running back other than highlights are telling me how he's the best prospect since 
Jim, Jim Brown at this point. Like, you know, like he's literally the best running back to ever live already. Like it's, it's incredible, you know, like, and it's, I just look at it and I say like, you know, there's a lot of running backs in this draft that went, you could have gotten, you know, to me, my dream scenario for the first two rounds was a uh, quarterback round one, whether it be, I, I like, I like Rosen a little more than Donald, but I, I had the feeling that the Giants like Donald a little more. So I would have been happy with either one. So you get them round one and then, I like guys. If you guys fall into round two, I would have taken guys. And honestly, I look at that and I think, you know, well, that's a pretty good shakeout. But, you know, they didn't go in that position. And, you know, for the rest of their picks, for me, it was, you know, well, what else did they do? I, you know, I look at the rest of their picks and they ended up going uh, running back, uh, guard. Uh, got it. They went running back, they went guard. They went um, Lorenzo Carter. Linebacker. Uh, yeah, and then, and they went – and then they went B.J. Hill, and they went Rocky McIntosh. So my thing is, is I looked at, you know, it's 2018. It's a passing it's a passing league now. And we literally went, the first four players that we took, first four out of five players we took, I should say, were, are going to make the biggest impact uh, in the run game. And I, yeah. I, I feel like, in some strange sense, it looks like David Gettleman is trying to build a roster for the early 90s in 2018. And I'm not downplaying that the run game is important. I think it is. And personally, the, my two favorite picks for the Giants are uh, Will Hernandez and Lorenzo Carter. I think Lorenzo Carter was more of a, day, uh, a second round pick. So I was actually I really, say, really excited that he got there. Go ahead. I have to say, if you're an offensive lineman or even a linebacker and you wear that neck brace, you look like infinitely more badass as a player. Yeah, he does. He, he looks a lot bigger. Yeah, he looks yeah. huge. Yeah, he does. You know, um, but I mean, th- those are the two picks I liked. I like Carter. I like Hernandez. Uh, at the same time, uh, the rest of the picks, they're really going to make the biggest impact in, in the run game. And I think to myself, well, all right, that's fine. But, you know, it's kind of a passing league now. So you're looking at guys that are going to make a bigger impact in a part of the league that's not as popular. You know, and then the B.J. Hill one kind of makes me scratch my head because to me, he's more of a nose tackle, which we already have with Snacks. And I think my guess is, is that, the Giants are probably looking to move on from Snacks uh, after the year. You know, uh, he's played- I think this is the last year of his contract, right? Uh, no, I think it's not a five-year deal. But I'm pretty sure all the guaranteed money is up after the third year. <clears throat> so okay, yeah. Uh, he, so he, this he's be... played. He's played two years. He's been spectacular for us too in those two years. And then you know, uh, after year three, I think they probably look to move on from him. Maybe make BJ Hill the you know the full-time nose from there. And you know, they took Kyle Aletta. You know. Uh, He's a guy who – here's my thing with him. You know, he's uh, – I don't know if his ceiling is – you know, what's his ceiling? I mean, I, his absolute ceiling is maybe Kirk Cousins. And, uh, yeah, I got you. You know, the last – it's probably his absolute ceiling is Kirk Cousins. So, you know, I'm not – I'm not too, uh, you know, bullish on what he's going to become. I mean, I guess we'll see. You know, as a Giants fan, I, I was kind of disappointed to see the approach he took. Um, I, I think kinda, that yeah. all things considered, he's probably – I would like him more um, prospectively than like Davis Webb. Yeah, I mean Webb, Webb's pluses are he's got a big arm and he can move a little bit, and Lillette is more of a football player, you know. So if I had a bet on one of them uh, being the the future quarterback for the Giants, I would probably bet on Lillette, but I don't have a ton of confidence in them. And the other thing to me is that you know we didn't spend we didn't we didn't use a high draft pick on a quarterback. Now, if two years from now we need to take a high quarterback, we're gonna have to give up three first round picks maybe to get him. Two first round picks or pay a free agent thirty seven million dollars something crazy like that. Yeah, you know? guaranteed. So, yeah, you know, I mean, wasn't was wasn't my favorite draft, but I haven't had a lot of good drafts as a Giants fan lately. 
Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's all the time we have tonight, guys. And thank you so much for listening. Um, and tune into our podcast. It'll be released later. Uh, we'll be in the App Store and Google Play. So check us out. Take care.